Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air. The Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay. As always, I got my guy, Young Vander, with me. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy things. What's going on out there? Yo, we have an amazing show in store for you today. News and notes. Week 7 review. Waiver wire gold. It's going to be action-packed. Going to make sure that you get all the info you need to be prosperous in your week eight. We have started to see some bye weeks come about. And we have started to see some injuries come about. So we do have to take a few pivots here and there. We're definitely going to help you along with that. If you want to join us on our Facebook group, we are at the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. That's Fantasy Football Fiend, F-E-I-N, Family Facebook group on IG at Fantasy Football Fiend. And if you need to get any information to us, promo, advertising things of that nature fantasy football fiend again f-e-i-n at gmail now let's go right ahead and hop into your news and now your fantasy news all right, so let's hop right into the news. We have several injuries to speak of several events that took place over the weekend to speak on first up Brees Hall, it's feared that he may have torn an ACL per his coach, Robert Sala. He started the game like game busters. He was shot out of a cannon, ended up with, I want to say like a a 60-yard touchdown run or something like that. Next thing you know, man, it's life comes at you pretty damn fast. So uh, Brees Hall, that's going to be one of the more significant injuries as it looks right now. And it could have the furthest reaching implications. Did you see or hear anything about this? No, I pretty much heard everything you heard as far as uh, it seemed like it's pretty serious. Uh, it looks like something that's going to, you know, end his season. Extremely unfortunate. We was just seeing him come into his own, really taking the lead in this backfield. And that was back to Michael Carter. <laughs> Is Michael Carter somebody that you are intentional about now that there is really no competition in that backfield or is he still just what he was prior to? I mean, he's he's the guy now, so it's a little bit different. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so if you're in a deeper league, uh, you may want to pick up a guy like Ty Johnson. Mm, OK. Um, you know, what I'm saying we anyone that watches football already uh, see what he can do. So. <laughs> You know, you're not really getting too much there, but he's worth a look because I don't, I'm not sure if Michael Carter is, can handle the full compliment. True. Like bell cow status. Um, we have yet to see that. So if you're in a deeper league, grab Ty Johnson. But it is Michael Carter's backfield now. So we see what he got. DK Metcalf, 
his x-rays were negative on his knee injury, but it looks like he may miss a little bit of time. He was carted off on Sunday. That leaves Tyler Lockett, but also the beneficiary on yesterday was one Mr. Marquise Goodwin, who ended up looking like a poor man's DK while he was out there. This is a guy who is 99.9 99.9 times out of 10 free as far as waivers and things of that nature are concerned. So that may be something that you want to stay abreast to. Another wide receiver, Corey Davis, sprained his MCL in Sunday's 16 to 19 win over the Broncos. This could be significant for this team only because Corey Davis was Zach Wilson's favorite target. Do you think that this kind of forces him to build that relationship with his newer targets, such as uh, Garrett Wilson? Also, the the guy that's been clamoring to go to another team because he hasn't been getting any targets with Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think most people think that initially, but me, I personally think uh, you see more of a emergence of a guy like Denzel Mims. Really? Yeah, because he's the guy that's standing behind Corey Davis, and he also has a leg up on Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore as far as the chemistry. So um, he had a good preseason. Remember Denzel Moore? Denzel Mims was a name in preseason. He had a you know pretty good camp. They refused to trade him. I mean, he was looking to get moved yeah, as well. True. So <laughs> they he put on some he on some weight in the offseason. They believe in him, so I think Denzel Mims would be the guy that probably get a lot more looks versus most people thinking that, okay, well, now we're going to just have to force the ball to Garrett and now Elijah. We don't, I'm, if, as far as Elijah, I'm not sure where he's at mentally. Of course, those guys will be the guys that play first, but don't be surprised if like a guy like Denzel Mims shows up. Mike Williams hurts his ankle. I'm not exactly sure if you saw the photos of this, but his ankle was pinned underneath the defender that was tackling him, and his body was on top of the defender if that makes sense at all. You'd have to kind of Google it to see exactly what I'm talking about. But he always has injuries anyway. And this looked like something that would have taken anybody off the field, not just someone who was often injured. Not exactly sure what the timeline is going to be for Mike Williams right now. There hasn't really been any official word as far as his likelihood of time missed. But based on the the looks of that injury, I, I don't think it's anything insignificant. I think his x-rays may have been negative as well. I'm not sure on that. But if so, looking at that picture, it's probably an extreme high ankle sprain. And that's probably one of the ones that'll keep him out for a minute. That's like a six-day week, right? Right. For him. Because he's he heals. is the rest of the fantasy season. Right. He heals slow like molasses. It's probably going to be closer to the eight than the six, considering Mike Williams' history. So Nico Collins didn't return to Sunday's game after he was injured with a growing injury against Las Vegas. It's like quite a bit of wide receivers took a L on yesterday as far as injuries were concerned. He's kind of the the bigger receiver that David Mills has to go that Davis Mills has to go to. And when he went out of the game, you could kind of tell the difference. Although he doesn't put up the stats that some do, you can kind of tell his role in the offense. But it looks like he's going to be down. Those groin injuries can be very tricky. Daniel Bellinger had an eye injury, so he's going to see the ophthalmologist. He was in; he ended up being uh, unable to return on Sunday in the Jacksonville game. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Eye injuries can be very tricky because I mean, it's not a muscle; it's not a; it's not something that you can just you know, pardon the tongue and cheek, look past. You can't see; you can't see. It doesn't matter what your other strengths are if you can't see. That'll definitely be something to take a look at as far as that rookie is concerned. He was kind of coming on and. And becoming a little bit more established in Brian Dabble's offense. Ezekiel Elliott may have a bruised knee. This has not been confirmed just yet. We're still waiting on details of this, but his right knee, which forced him to be uh, sidelined for a few plays just before halftime, it's still kind of bothering him just a little bit. 
he's kind of has a, a noticeable little limp. I'm not exactly sure if this is going to sideline him for next week. We should know a little bit more about that to come here pretty soon. David Njoku was using crutches and a walking boot. So he put up points and then he got put out. That's another one of those guys. I actually picked him up. He was on the waiver in a dynasty league that I'm in that I kind of took a reclamation project in and ended up starting him. He put up decent points, but then got hurt. James Robinson, no carries in week seven. I'm not exactly sure what this was, but no carries. He basically barely played at all. Travis Etienne, on the other hand, had 14 carries, five targets, and turned that into 119 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. After the game, Coach Doug Peterson said, basically that the team still has confidence in Robinson, wanted to make sure he's 100%, which is suggesting there's some type of something going on because he was out there the week prior too. I don't know how you go from being the guy who got the most touches the week prior to to not getting any at all, but more importantly, not being listed on the injury report. That's pretty intriguing to find out how they're going to paint this. Did you see anything about James Robinson or what his future prognosis may be as far as has he now been supposed playing it as the running back one or is this really just a don't know if he's healthy type of I mean like I said before with the J.K. Dobbins thing I think this is one of those things where these guys have to wait an additional year in order to be 100% we see a lot of guys being rushed back out there after these you know serious injuries and they're not fully ready like you may be ready to run but to be able to run and cut like you you did before with extreme confidence and you know it's it's a little different we see the same thing with Saquon Uh, like these guys are an additional year removed and, and same thing for Cam Akers. You see, he came back and he just looked kind of a shell of the person he used to be. And I think this is the same situation where I think James is, has an additional year to wait in order maybe for us to see the, you know, the real him. Even though he didn't look too bad when he first came back, but still, like, I think he needed another year. ETN played 80% of the snaps. So, I mean, it's you, really... You rid of Robinson? Or, or is this maybe just like a I would, stare up from practice and it's a one-week thing? I mean, because he was being utilized before. If you're in a dynasty, I would keep him. If you're in a redraft... Right. I'm not sure who's going to buy him. True. <laughs> if you can sell him, sell, and maybe you can sell him to the ETN owner. You know what I mean? Sell him true, to, true. So that that the, the 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 route I would take, go to the ETN owner and try to sell him like a handcuff. Because at this point, he's in a, probably, you know, one of the most popular handcuffs right now, being that he's right, really a starter in a way. So I would and do ETN that. ETN is no stranger to injury himself, so that would make sense. Alan Lazard picked up a shoulder injury. He ended up departing Sunday's game against Washington due to that shoulder. Not exactly sure what the extent of the injury is just yet. We should probably know more about that by Wednesday. One of the only pass catchers that Aaron Rodgers currently trusts. I told y'all in the offseason that this wasn't going to be like when, you know, Jordy Nelson left and he was handing over the reins to Devontae Adams. There is no guy who's been handed the reins. There is no guy that's been under the tutelage of this particular system for a year or two the way Devontae Adams was before his superior departs. So this is a completely different situation in Aaron Rodgers is not one that I've seen who is equipped to take on this sort of an ordeal. Mentally speaking, he just he doesn't like to be the teacher. These are just things that we kind of have to keep in account as we continue throughout the season. But they're going to have to make a hard left in comparison to where they are right now just to make the playoffs. What I'm I think this week we may see some movement. There's been so many names tossed around for us wide receivers. We heard things like Brian, Brandon Cooks. We heard uh, Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, yeah. Um, 
You know, we heard Jerry about Darius Slayton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some guys' names being tossed around. And I think this week, Green Bay need to pivot <laughs> or make a move because if you're serious about this season, you'll do it. You should have been done it. I think you weren't serious when you brought in Sammy Watkins. That showed me you wasn't serious about Facts. the season. Facts. You just wanted a body. Yeah. You just but wanted I'm, to say I'm his. thinking of those names, Brandon Cooks might be the best suited just because he's a polished wide receiver that he can kind of come in and, and not have to get all of the love that would be necessary for a Claypool to succeed or a Jerry Judy system. Jerry might be might sneakily be decent with a better QB that he doesn't have to grow along with, but I don't know. It feels like the Brandon Cook situation may end up being the best for all parties involved. I think I would do two things. I mean, I think two things can be true in this situation. Get two guys. Go get Brandon Cooks and go get DJ Moore. And now you, you got Aaron Rodgers looking way different with those two guys on the outside. Like, I think if Can they, they afford really, to get both of them? I think so. I mean, who's getting paid on the team, really? They just they just, they, they just was able to. The money that they was going to give Devontae. Devontae, right. <laughs> right. You know yeah, what I mean? So, true. yeah, like, let's get two for one. You know what I'm saying? And well, those, for that matter, do they have the draft? Because, you know, Green Bay is one of those teams that they don't really like to go out and get people they like to build from the draft. So I don't know how much draft capital they, they'd be willing to give up. And we'll how see. much would they have to give up to get those guys? Well, it's time for a change. That's what I'm saying. Like, the way you've been doing things has it really been working for you? Like you, you had two. You have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and you only got two Super Bowls out of it. That's damn near forty years, like of of experience. Like how many years that uh, Brett Favre been the quarterback there? He got one. How many years have Rodgers been the quarterback there? He got one. So what you're doing is not like it's really working because you're really wasting it. Keeping a buck. The times they got their one, it was when they had top five defenses. So it really wetting the quarterback when when they actually got it. Please be honest. What I'm saying is they're wasting these guys' years, good years. I can see it. I mean, Rodgers coming off back-to-back MVP seasons, and that didn't even put you in the Super Bowl. So Right. Russell Gage ended up getting hurt in the game on Sunday. Ended up with a hamstring injury, so another one of Brady's weapons went down. What's up with the GOATs, man? Between A-Rod and Brady, it's looking like that whole, you know, father time thing is kind of catching up. With with Rodgers, I think it's more so of he just wants to go out there and it be done versus putting in the work to make it look like it's supposed to. He just, like, he really don't want to work with them young guys. Brady, on the other hand, I mean, they put up three points, man. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Carolina Panthers and only put up three points. This is the CMC-less Carolina Panthers we're talking about here, right? This is the third-string quarterback Carolina Panthers we're talking about here. That one lost a whole lot of people a few coins. That threw me for a loop. But the the quote-unquote goats, I say quote-unquote, Tom Brady's the goat. Aaron Rodgers... Y'all crowned him the GOAT. I never thought he was. He's shown me that without superior wide receivers, I'm seeing what we get with the, the quote-unquote GOAT. One. What, do you, what do you got on the GOATs? It's, it's a little different. As far as Rodgers, man, he's, hey, Rodgers is not really playing bad. I mean, if you look at the games, like these guys are just not helping him. Like, you know how many drop passes we I've been seeing? He hitting these guys in stride. Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rodgers dropped one. Like, they just not helping him out. You know what I mean? Like, give me something. I mean, I've far seen as- them drop several for sure, but I've also seen him throw some very very much errant passes as well. But you know what? Sometimes it's not it's not really the pass. It could be somebody ran the wrong damn route and he have to do that. Like sometimes you just never know what goes into the play. A lot of times it's an errant pass because somebody didn't run the right route where it looks like the quarterback is just throwing some errant, but that's not a fact. But with Brady, Mike Evans dropped like a sixty yard touchdown on the first on I the first that. drive. You know what I'm saying? So I saw that, yeah. things like that, it hurts. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Brady is forty eight years old. I mean <laughs> So, Close to it. You know what I mean, like that could possibly be, and he's going through, you know, marital issues. So that who knows? Help. I think he's still good, but something got to change. 
And he lost a lot of weapons. Don't forget, Gronk not there. AB is not there. The offensive line is different. So this ain't the true, same exact true. team from last year. That's true. I get that. I get that. I actually don't see him being there next year, to be honest with you. I can see him possibly still ending up in Miami as his kind of like last hoorah if they don't make it deep into the playoffs. Just a couple of more pieces of news to cover. We had Albert O as a healthy scratch, a coach's decision. Not exactly sure what went into this. For a second straight game, the Broncos has made Albert O a healthy scratch. They're going with Dolchic, Eric Subert, Eric Tomlinson, and Andrew Beck. This is another one of those weird, I don't know what the coach is thinking type Things. He's definitely one of the most talented options they have at tight end. It feels almost like another Melvin Gordon type situation where Hackett, uh, is, he's, I, I don't know. He just rubs me the wrong way right now. Like, like you aren't putting yourself in the best position to win. I just hope he doesn't get a longer leash than any other first year coach who showed that they obviously shouldn't be a head coach. Yet. I, I just don't like what he's doing. Well, the reason why Albert O is being scratched is because he's on the trade block. <laughs> Look for him to probably be moved as well in these next coming days, if not today. They don't want to put that product that, that product on the field and he gets hurt. He's on the trade block for the tight ends. I heard even like a Mike Gisecki from the Dolphins. I like, heard about Gisecki. Yeah, I heard about him. There's a couple I tight ends. I didn't hear about Albert O being on the... Yeah, but, yeah. Most people that are on the block, though, are being featured. He's been bubble wrap. That's very interesting. Some are bubble wrap, some are featured. That just it depends on how you're going to approach it. We seems like like a Zach Moss. He was being bubble wrap. He's a healthy scratch. You know what right. I mean? So some teams just take different approaches when it comes to that. Cuber Hubbard ended up hurting his ankle, which gave way for Deontay Foreman to go ahead and solidify his day. He ended up having over uh, 100 yards from scrimmage, which was Foreman. Now, Hubbard ended up with nine carries to 63 yards and a touchdown, but Foreman ended up having a better day, although Hubbard was the starter. We're going to kind of see this backfield work its way out. Do you think Hubbard and Foreman are both worth stashing or is there one or the other that you like better don't exactly know the extent of this ankle injury yet but i do know foreman was able to show improve with the targets and the attempts that he was getting. yeah i think i like foreman better being he also the bigger back i like him running the ball better uh hubbard you know he's a good pass catcher as well so i don't know this is a situation situations like this i kind of want to stay away from because just too too choppy and they got some tough matchups coming up i would like to see this injury thing though if they could keep him out then of course Foreman would be the guy because he'd be the long guy it's just something to monitor but if you got if you got both you don't got one that's where i look at it it's just it's a real choppy situation even though they both perform well against a really good Tampa Bay defense yesterday, I might add. So I don't know if I'll feel confident in starting either one of, you know, maybe in a flex position, yeah. But as far as like in my run, running back two slot, nah. That pretty much wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into our week eight waiver. All right, good people. So let's go ahead and get into the waivers for week eight. Not quite as many gems out there rolling into week eight as there have been in weeks past, but there are a few people that we do still want to kind of bring attention to. So let's go ahead and start out with the running backs. One of the guys that was able to show improve this week, and he's just coming back from an injury, but hopefully he won't have the same issues that some of his counterparts have. But Gus Edwards right now is only 42% rostered. He ended up with two touchdowns in this week's game. I kind of believe that he can end up going back to what he used to be, which without Dobbins, that can end up being pretty significant. So 
I would take a look at Gus Edwards and kind of see where that ends up. He had 50% of the running back carries in his debut. So although we thought Kenyon Drake may have been a thing, Justice Hill ended up fumbling when it mattered most. There was a pretty significant showing on the part of Gus Edwards. What do you have there? Uh, we just spoke of one, um, and this is an ugly situation in Carolina, being that they have one of the worst offenses in the league, but Cuba Hubbard is only 30%, 36% rostered. We've seen what he did this past week. He reportedly got that ankle injury. I will monitor that, but he did have like a 40%, 46% snap share, which is, you know, it's a pretty high rate. I think I will go with Hubbard as my guy as far as a running back being wavered this week. I definitely had Cuba on my list as well. Another guy that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, but he's still only 40 percent owned. If you're hurting that running back, Latavius Murray got in about 37% of the snaps, which ended up being about eight carries. He also ended up with three targets. So Lat Murray is another one of those guys that could be free. He is the biggest of the group. So he's most likely to get the goal line carries when they come about. And who knows when Melvin Gordon may be chastised and set down again. There's also that to look at. So you may have a guy who ends up being the guy in a roundabout way when it's all said and done. You got any other RBs? Yeah, I got one more. Uh, this guy's been spoke about for weeks on end, but his roster percentage has still been low. It's only 30%. And I'm going to go with Rashad White, who's still like a top five handcuff in this league, to be honest with you. Tampa Bay offense, you know, is pretty friendly when it comes to running backs, being that Tom Brady loved to dump the ball off at a pretty high rate. He did and against Carolina yesterday. He ran 21 routes. Fournette ran 25 routes. So it's starting to get a little closer. He had two targets in those routes, and Fournette had three. Six carries, Fournette had eight. So it's kind of getting close to 50-50. As the weeks are going on, the split is getting a little closer. Fournette has had his issues with injuries in the past. Not saying yep. he will be hurt, but if something was to happen, this guy jumps straight to the top of your board. So I, I like think what they're right. doing right now is they're trying to make sure that Fournette will still be available to them when it's going to matter the most. So... As they go through the second half of the season, this is more of a preservation type of a move. But they just wanted to make sure when White was out there, he knew what the hell he was doing. So it didn't put them in a predicament where it's like, okay, one guy knows what he's doing and the other guy's just out there so that guy doesn't get hurt. Another couple running backs just to consider, depending on what happens here, Kyron Williams of the Los Angeles Rams, he still may be on your IR, so he may not even take up a spot, but it's already been stated by head coach Sean McVay that he expects Williams to get quite a bit of the attempts when he returns. So this may be a, a second half hero type guy that you can get for free right now versus waiting to see what he does when he comes back. The fact that Cam Akers, it's been stated that he's probably probably played his last game for them, even though he has not been traded yet. That definitely lends itself to Williams being heavily utilized in the second half of the season. And then I also have Sony Michelle, who's only 11% rostered right now, who does seem to get a few touches here and there, could possibly get a few goal line opportunities here and there if you are hurting bad at running back. But moving right along to wide receiver, my first wide receiver up is Wondell Robinson. He's only 29% owned and he looks to be the Giants' number one wide receiver. He returned in week six after injuring his knee in week one. Was he's, he's on a snap count, it seems, but that doesn't stop him from putting up numbers. When that snap count is said and done, and he's actually just out there for the duration, I can really see this guy ending up being someone that we can kind of consider special, um, especially looking at where we were able to get him. Another positive sign was the fact that he was targeted four times on just 11 routes. Again, 
again, this is going to be a guy who should get the target share. He led with 27% of the targets and he's he's got that juice. He, he's not exactly where he's going to end up being, but based on coming back from an injury and then utilizing him this much, I can tell that the coach has a plan for him. And it looks like if Brian Dabble has a plan for you, your volume is pretty much guaranteed. Uh, this one guy, wide receiver, he's only 4% rostered. And I'm going to say Paris Campbell. Had a hell of a day this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, he also had 21 targets in the last two games. The guy that everybody thought he was going to be, like, is maybe emerging. Look like Pierce has kind of taken a backseat to him now. Right. So, remember, I was, remember, I was, I pointed that out to Joe as far as the, the target share was concerned. It looked like it kind of took a turn and Pierce wasn't getting the love that he was getting the weeks prior, and Campbell is. So it's, it's looking like there may be a slight change in Indy, but. Right. Who knows which one is real? It's like they kind of both got love for the same amount of time so far. Yeah, I mean, he's more suited for like a PPR, you Facts. know what I mean? But Facts. He's a Jacoby Myers type. Yeah, you can't. but he scored two, two touchdowns in the last two weeks on 17 yep. catches. So that's something that you still can't yeah, ignore, uh, even in the standard league. Robbie Anderson is still only rostered on 18% of fantasy rosters. Now, he only played 12 snaps, which obviously brand new to the team, didn't know very many other plays. That's kind of status quo as far as I'm concerned. But for a guy who's only 18% rostered in the past heavy offense, and they like to air the ball out, and he took over for a guy who was the down-the-field guy, Hopkins did what he did. Double-digit targets, over 100 yards. So we know who the man is in the offense, but we also know who should end up with the lesser competition as far as cornerback is concerned. I can see... Anderson being about the same type of a role that he had with the Panthers, honestly, but just a, a, a better quarterback. Yeah, lastly for me, man, I'm going to say this guy, I'm gonna go, I'm digging deep, 2% on, and that's uh, New York Giants' Darius Slayton. Now, there's a couple of things can come out of this one. This is guy has also been mentioned in trades, trade rumors. I mean, we do have injuries to guys like Tony Galladay, so he has been getting a lot Shepherd of playing. Shepard as well. Shepard's out for the year. Yo, Shepard. So he has been getting a lot of playing time. He's and actually, they're tied in. So they might not be able to trade him now. Like, that's true, damn, too. All they, all they pass yeah. catches hurt now that I'm thinking about it. And he's actually been playing pretty it's decent. still winning. Yeah, that's he's crazy, actually been, man. actually been playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with Darius Slayton. He's, two, like I said, 2% on. If you're in a deeper league, then you know this probably be a guy that you could grab on Sunday. He I 100% agree with you. Regardless of whether he gets traded or not, we're sleeping on him right now. Well, we are, not you. Yeah, he, had three, <laughs> he, he did have three catches on six targets for 58 yards and a touchdown. Not bad. For somebody that's free, hell no. Nah. Yeah, and, he has a, <laughs> and also they have a decent matchup next week. They got the Seahawks, who has given mm. them like the fourth most points in the nfl so right that's, that's something to watch there okay let's wrap this up we have tight end kate Otten, he may be a thing only 14 percent roster it's kind of hard to find those tight ends out there because they're a, a fickle bunch you know just off top even the ones at the top uh, greg dochich with albert o and bubble wrap dochich i think is going to end up being the number one tight end so you may actually be able to find a number one tight end on the waivers right now he's only 11 percent roster i don't see bet or um the other guy i forget his name i don't i don't see them being in a more advantageous advantageous position in Dolchich it's because of his catching prowess. I can see him possibly doing a couple of things. Others to consider, I'm not exactly sure what the extent of the eye injury for Bellinger is going to be, but he's only 13% rostered and he was a guy who started, you know, seeing a little bit more run out there. We saw Jawan Johnson ended up actually being one of the top tight ends of the week. He's only 3% rostered out there in New Orleans. Who knows what's going to go on with their QB situation, so I don't know if that will 
drastically change, you know, if the QB changes. Foster Moreau, as long as Darren Waller is out, he's another guy that you might want to take a look at, only 6% roster. Those are the guys that I have there. This is single QB leagues. Most Superflex and two QB leagues, you probably don't have very many QBs on the waiver. But Daniel Jones is only 40% rostered in single quarterback leagues. Um, he's been able to put up over 21 points the last couple of games. Justin Fields has a higher ceiling based on his running prowess. But again, that's, you know, injury slash bye weeks fill in sort of a deal. Check and see if Deshaun Watson is still out there. He only has a couple more weeks um, before he's going to be back in the fold. So I'd rather get them you know a week early versus getting them a week late and then having to pay somebody to get them versus getting them for free so that may be something else to consider but that pretty much takes care of the waiver for this week let's go ahead and hop into week seven's review So there were a few things that kind of stood out for week seven, and um, I'm kind of kicking around a couple of things right now, but there are a few people that I'm thinking could be a value, and there are a few people that I think are kind of being overlooked. Right now, I think Mike Gusecki can possibly be a value. He struggled this week with only 27 yards, but he did have seven targets. So they're showing that he's, as long as he's on the team, he's definitely going to be a big part of the team. But if he goes to another team, that's that other team indicating that they need him even more than what the Miami Dolphins are currently utilizing him. So I can kind of see Gusecki being one of those guys that by hook or by crook ends up working out throughout the season. Sticking with Miami, Raheem Mostert rushed 16 times for 79 yards, caught four or five targets for 30 yards, and had a touchdown in Sunday's 16-10 win over the Steelers. Don't look now, but Miami is starting to look a whole lot more like the 49ers. And if Tua can stay healthy, they may just be a very dangerous team to contend with. There's still something about Tua, man, that's missing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, did see one deep ball in this game that was a little short for Tyreek. He had to come back to it a little bit as an incomplete pass. A quarterback should be coming in here somewhere. Because you see what you got as far as the backups. You got Skylar Thompson. You got Bridgewater. I would reach out to one of these teams that have a quarterback that's on, you know, that's maybe not getting as much time. Who, Mason Rudolph? Like, who are we looking at? I mean, Trubisky? Not Trubisky. Hey, I, I tell you what. I tell you one guy who would be good, and, and, and this sounds funny, and he's older, but yo, Joe Flacco would be good for these Dolphins, man. I promise you. I can see he, that. Because he fit the skill set. They have all yeah, these four two guys. All he want to do is throw deep balls anyway. So <laughs> I think like he'd be a good I can see uh, that. Actually. Yeah. This is a pretty each interesting game in um, Pickett, man. Like he seemed like he's just trying to turn the ball over now at a high rate. And even though uh Trubisky wasn't playing, you know, superior, he hasn't been playing well at all himself. Najee Harris. He's still hurt. That hasn't changed. He's been hurt. He's one of the biggest fantasy disappointments so far this year. If he's quote unquote healthy, you got to start him. But at the same time, he's not healthy. He's just healthy enough to go. What do you do with that? If you're in a league, get Jalen. If you're in a deeper league, get Jalen Warren. Because when they come around playoff time, who who knows what, what this guy will be at physically when they come playoff time, crunch time. So I would hold a guy like Jalen Warren in the stash. If you have if a spot. Pittsburgh is mathematically out of it. They may just sit him for the rest of the season once right, they're out of it. Right. And that's what, you know what? And that's what a lot of, you know, uh, veteran fantasy players, the real good ones, they notice. 
You know these things. There's certain players that when it comes down to week 12, 13, these guys are going to emerge. And this could be very well in one of those situations. We spoke on like a Rashad White earlier. You just alluded to if they're mathematically out of it or, or injury does happen. A lot of these guys are winning your leagues for you down the stretch. So this would be a name as well. Pickens, man, that guy's that guy, he, he liked that. NFL mm-hmm. young boy. Yeah, he, he liked that. One of these guys got to go. Next year, all three of them won't be there as far as Johnson, Claypool. One of them, Claypool or Johnson, one of them boys going to be gone. Probably going to be Claypool. Probably going to go this week. He, he's making too much noise for both all three of them guys to be on the field at the same time. So someone's going to leave. A couple Green Bay Packers that stood out for the wrong reasons. <laughs> A.J. Dillon was limited to four carries on Sunday, 15 yards, and didn't draw a single target. Not exactly sure what's going on with A.J. Dillon, but this is not the season that I expected him to have. And you can't blame it on the line or you can't blame it on the offensive situation because Jones is going off. What the hell is going on with A.J. Dillon? I thought it'd be something different. I thought he's going to really lean more on the run, being uh, the the pass catches that they have on that team. But, hell, you still got Rodgers. He's throwing the ball 35 times. Aaron Jones getting eight carries and Dillon getting four. Nah, that's not, you know, I thought everybody thought he was going to see this year. I think A.J. is fine, like, you know, health-wise. I don't know. I think they're confused. They don't know what the hell they got going on right now. Most definitely. Romeo Dobbs did even worse. He blinked on the stat sheet this week. He had four targets, didn't catch any of them. It seems like Green Bay is going from bad to worse. You would think that this would be the time of the season where they're kind of starting to gel and you see things kind of starting to pick up. It seems like they're becoming more frustrated and have less of an identity than they did in week one. For sure. But again, no pass catchers. You got Aaron Jones leading the league, leading the team in receptions out of the backfield. And the guy that you thought was going to be the man, Lazar, he's now on a shoulder injury. <laughs> Who knows at this point where they're going? Right. True. Good to yeah. see Heineke, though. Good to see Heineke play decent. Yeah, Start off slow. Definitely. Start off real slow. But he's able to get Terry McLaurin in the end zone for the first time this, this year. So We knew that was going to be his guy. I want to see what happens when Terry's on the field with Dotson and Samuel to see if he still just goes to Terry. like Because th- that was his guy when he was out there before. So that's the guy that he kind of had that rapport with. But at the same time, Dotson would have been a guy that he was playing on the third team with prior to. So he might have a bit of a rapport with both in real game time scenarios with Scary Terry, but on the practice squad with Dots, we had one of my preseason hopefuls finally show up. They, they finally throwed Austin Hooper the ball. He actually led the pass catchers in Tennessee with 56 yards in the 19 to 10 win over the Colts. Definitely his best game of the season so far. He had a few catches all of them were actually over 10 yards. So he was going out there and going to get it. A couple of them I saw the highlights of, and, and he made the catch. Like it, it, one of them, he had to catch the ball like three times and then ended up, it ended up like landing on his chest or something. It was a crazy catch, but they're finally starting to use them. I'm not sure if this is a, a step in the right direction or if this is just a happenstance, but he showed that he can actually be their best pass catcher. I just hope they continue to use them. Yeah, man. Terry Tannehill is just not playing well. Finished 13 for 20, 132 yards passing. Yikes. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Derrick Henry, man, a whopping 30 carries. Uh, is that good or bad? Like, I, I understand we, we we love it when our running backs get volume, but damn, that's a lot of it's, ne- it's necessary is what well, it is because they have no other options. Like <laughs> they're not like you said, they don't have any weapons as um, far as on the wide receiver on the outside. They lost Treylon Burks. They don't have any speed out there. They got Robert Woods out there. There's nothing going on on the outside. So 
they're forced to play this style of football. The Colts, I'm trying to figure out, like, well, the real Jonathan Taylor, please stand up. He's talking about disappointments. This is probably one of the bigger disappointments in the league. I Versus, agree. like, the Najee Harris because you spent your first – he was, like, a one-two. He didn't drop no part no lower than two in your draft in your league. And it's not on him. It's just his offensive line is not playing well. And the quarterback is horrendous. So, what you, I mean, what you want to say on that? With JT, the only reason I don't look at him as a bigger disappointment than Harris is because his injuries put him out of the game. So at least I can completely pivot away from him and go a different direction. With Harris, it's like you're you're healthy enough to start, so I got to start you, but you're not producing. And he was a first-round pick in all likelihood as well, depending on the size of your league. You definitely. Probably more of a second-round pick, but I feel you. It's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. They were they were your they were your number one running back, no matter how you slice it. So, so you know. But what, what I do know is that you know knees and ankles and things of that nature, when they aren't quite serious, are a whole lot easier to get over than a plantar fasciitis type of a situation that can linger for an entire year. So I'm hoping that JT will, in the next week or two, kind of get back to himself. He didn't tank you this week. He just wasn't what you have come to know. We spoke a little bit on George Pickens, but his teammate, um, Deontay Johnson, had 10 targets, 42 yards. So he didn't do a whole lot with those targets, but there were several catches that he had to go up and get. It's just a matter of you see the talent there with Johnson and Pickens. I think Claypool may be the odd man out by the time it's all said and done. Like you said, somebody's probably going to end up going and Pittsburgh has never had an issue finding wide receiver. Finding his replacement won't be an issue. Another pass catcher that they have with Pat Firemove, he secured eight of nine targets. He might as well be a wide receiver as damn self. Ended up with 75 yards. So he's another guy that makes you know an additional pass catcher expendable, especially if you're going to get something decent for him. One thing I was happy to see staying in the vein as far as running back was concerned, Melvin Gordon did end up leading his backfield with 11 attempts. He only got 33 yards with that. He had two receptions for 17 yards. What the coach was indicating is that he was still going to be their top guy, and that did end up happening. What do we think about CMC? We saw he and uh, Jeff Wilson are kind of splitting. I'm sure that's just because where he came in midweek, but CMC ended up putting up a, a very pedestrian amount of points for what we thought it may be. Is this going to be a continued trend where San Francisco continues to do what they? I think they've always done, which is kind of use a committee approach? Or is CMC going to be the guy? No, hell no. Um, CMC definitely going to be the guy. I mean, the guy just got the playbook on what, Tuesday, Wednesday? Right. He and, got, yeah. So, and, somewhere he, and he had the most carries. Yeah. So, so what is that saying? <laughs> well, what saying? well, I guess what I mean is like, okay, so when we look at CMC's point production, Carolina was using him over 90% of the snaps. He was like in like anywhere between 91 to 94%. So, what I'm looking at is if they spell him just a little bit and their offense also calls for Debo to get a couple of carries out of the backfield and they have wide receivers so they don't have to utilize him as both a wide receiver and running back on most plays Mm -hmm. like is it just isn't it going to just naturally lower his ceiling based on volume not not based on talent but based on volume like I wouldn't say that because a crazy high tip 
They did, but I say that it's more of a balance because he's in a better offense. This is true. So you can be, you can get all the volume you want, and don't and you ain't doing nothing with it. Hell, uh, Najee Harris just has seventeen carries. What do you do with it? Yeah. You know what I mean. So you can get volume, but he's just in a better situation out of Carolina and, and San Fran. So even though he played nice some odd percent of the snaps in Carolina, if he played eighty five here or eighty, it's still gonna be more than that ninety over there because the it's just a better team. He get a better offense. He got a better play call put him in a better position. So I think he's going to do superior in this offense. I mean, he's probably one of the more talented backs we've seen in a Shanahan offense. Hell, they could throw anybody in a Shanahan offense and get a 1,000 yards. We've seen over the years. Uh, we've seen Mike Anderson go from fullback to running back right. and get a 1,000 yards. We've seen guys like Orlandis Gary, if you go back that far, get a 1,000 yards. So when you see a superior name, that's when you get the Clinton Portises of the world. That's when you get Terrell right. Davis. And this is just what it is. It's a superior talent. He should be once he get this playbook down, it's gonna be nice, man. I'm telling you. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo went for over three hundred yards in the loss. He had twenty-five or thirty-seven pass attempts, three hundred and three yards, two touchdowns, two turnovers. This was a forty-four to twenty-three loss to Kansas City. The game I kind of felt was a little bit closer than what final score kind of ended up being, but those turnovers definitely did not help, to say the least. It was interesting to me that Garoppolo actually targeted Brandon Ayuk the most. Um, he had a team high 11 targets. He had uh, 82 yards, and I don't believe he had a touchdown at all. But it kind of surprised me that Ayuk had the most targets, and he seems to be one of the more heavy, heavier utilized pieces in the offense. Are we as fantasy players not caught up to this trend? Because Ayuk's current price tag isn't quite where his usage is. I, I think you can kind of get him at a value you if you were to go seek his services somewhere. You most definitely can. Uh, Jimmy G is so unpredictable, though. You know what That's I mean? That's the um, thing. We see IU have a, a lot of targets in the last couple of weeks, but then next week, what is it going to be? You know what I mean? So the jury is still out on this thing. I kind of want to have a more of a sit back and wait approach. When it comes to IU, then again, that could hurt you because if you go out there and he have another one and have a great game, then you know that IU owner is probably gonna raise the, the price on you. But uh, I'm just not sold on it. It was good to see uh, George Kittle finally get a touchdown, yeah, right. Finally, you know, looks like himself as one well national to, tight end day at that. I just had right. a feeling about Kittle on national tight end day, but Kittle actually, he's one of those guys that buy into that 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 tight end yeah. thing. So, him and Kelsey are the two they happen to be going against each other, but yeah, yeah. they're two of the top as far as that's concerned. All right, so that was good to see that. How are we feeling about the Kansas City backfield? Clyde edwards helaire rushed six times for 32 yards and failed to bring in his lone target in Sunday's 44-23 to 23 loss. But then we have Isaiah Pacheco, who they were indicating might be kind of taken over. But with this guy, he ended up not quite doing very much, but he had eight attempts. So it looks like they are going to try to work him in a little bit more. Is this a guy that we possibly stash if he's available looking at the second half of the season? I'm beginning at 43 yards. I don't believe he had any targets this week. He had two last week, none this week. But it looks like worst case scenario, it's going to be a committee where he gets just as many opportunities as the other guys. And he might have enough juice to end up taking that cookie. How do you feel about Pacheco right now? And is he worth rostering through the bye? I would stay away from this backfield, me personally. 
until the injury happens. Now, if you want to hope that you're going to just, you know, cross your fingers and CH goes down for a while, then that's one thing. But um, them coming out saying he's the starter and all that, it doesn't really mean much to me. He got, he was a starter. What did he do? He got eight carries. You know what I mean? So this is a situation is real choppy. I was kind of stay away from a Kansas City backfield. That's how I see it. So until an injury happens, I don't think he would come to the forefront. Were you surprised that Noah Brown ended up co-leading the team in receptions upon Dak's return? I thought it would be a, a lamb gallop show um, spared by Schultz, but Noah Brown, former Buckeye, he's showing and proving that no matter who the quarterback is, he's a name to consider. He secured five or seven targets, 50 yards. He did lose a fumble, but he's been targeted and he's catching the ball on a team that doesn't really have a standout number one wide receiver right now. He topped Dalton Schultz with the team's leading receptions and uh, and he was second in receiving yards to CeeDee Lamb, but had more receptions. How do we kind of feel about this Dallas situation going forward? Uh, I mean, it's playing against Detroit. Right. Another Buckeye, number one, that cornerback. That's the reason why you wouldn't Ooh. see it. Yeah, that's why you really probably wasn't seeing CD as much because he's been playing pretty well this season. The more the surprise of me came with the Gallup. I thought Gallup would probably got a lot more targets and looks in this offense. And maybe it'll improve as the, the year go on. His Dak's first game back, so I probably won't really put too much uh, stock into this one. Probably everything will probably increase as, the, as he gets back in the focus. Really his first game of the season. Think about it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, he played like a half of a game in week right. one or something. All right, so this is really like his first week. I would just be a little patient on it. How do you feel about the prognosis of Trevor Lawrence going forward? I mean, he had a pretty decent game going up against the Giants where they lost 17 to 23. It looks like they're utilizing him on the goal line as a as a, a rusher. So especially in those leagues where you get six for rushing and four for passing touchdowns, this is the I'm going to say second week in a row that he's got a rushing touchdown there. And it looks like he's becoming a little bit more comfortable with his targets. Christian Kirk is doing his thing. Zay Jones has been utilized regularly. They have ETN as a standout running back. And Robinson is no pushover himself when he's right. What do we see going on fantasy-wise as far as the Jaguars are concerned going forward? Uh, Get you some of that ETN stock, that's for sure. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he's not playing. He's playing okay. I guess when they get down to the goal line, you know, on the one, then they will kind of like use him to punch it in. Uh, he is kind of athletic, sneaky athletic for a quarterback. Of course, Christian Kirk still playing well. Evan Ingram playing pretty good as well. Like most of uh, Doug Pearson offenses, the tight end is utilized. But this team, um, the defense has been playing pretty decent. To be honest, even though they lost this game, they didn't play, you know, horribly. It's just a lot of Daniel Jones sneak out of the backfield. I mean, this guy had 100 yards rushing. There that go. You know he's I mean? so easy to forget. That's why. I mean, and, he, like, and he's you know, sneaky athletic. Yes, and absolutely. For some, and for some reason, teams haven't, they forgot about that you know there's no spy it's man to man and everybody got their back turned runs around the corner on you he had 107 yards rushing and a touchdown so imagine in your fantasy leagues daniel jones that's already what 17 points 16 points with the legs not even counting the arms so what's going on with the falcon <laughs> marcus mariota attempted 13 passes in a game where they were getting their behinds cut i don't understand how you don't throw the ball more in this particular scenario they ended up losing 35 to 17 tyler allegier ended up with his first career touchdown so 16 attempts 50 yards and a touchdown 50 yards on 16 attempts really isn't much to write home about and touchdowns are very difficult to predict also combine that with the fact that the true number one running back on the team should be back in about a week or two i wouldn't throw my eggs in the basket of Algier. drake london targeted once 
once. I don't get what's going on. Drake London is a talent. Kyle Pitts is a talent. Kyle Pitts only ended up five targets, three receptions, nine yards, something like it was. It was horrible. I think he ended up with like one and a half points. It was crazy. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, is this a coach issue? Is it a what's going on in Atlanta? It's time to make that change. I don't know what's the holdup. It's time to make that quarterback change and put Riddler in there. Like you mentioned, this guy threw for he went through thirteen. He had thirteen pass attempts. Right. He had 124 yards, but that he had one play that was 70, 75 yards. Demir Bird. And that was, you know what I mean? So take that away, and then what you got? You know what I mean? This guy probably threw for 50 but yards. But why, though? You got pass catchers? Like, what's the issue? It almost feels like his coach combined with quarterback because right. only 13 attempts is a coaching thing, I think. For sure. And then, I, time, and then also, you know, something like time of possession. You know, it was a little bit lower for them. It was uh, four for 10 on third down. They only had 13 first downs. Hell, they was getting off the field. They wasn't, wasn't like, the drives wasn't long at all. You know what I mean? So that's one thing as well. They was double up on the first downs, and the Bengals was just, you know, more efficient. The Bengals basically did what we thought they were going to do. Tyler Boyd ends up having the game of his life. Burrow ends up putting up close to 40 fantasy points, I believe. Mm. Chase ended up with some type of a non-contact thing. Did did, did we ever get any more information on Chase? Yeah, he he came back. That was in the first half. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I, and I, I was watching it. It looked like it could have been like a, a cramp or something okay. like that. You know All what right. I mean? It wasn't like he was running and dropped to the ground or nothing like that. He's running around. And he just kind of pulled up like like his legs stiffed up on him or something. So yeah, as soon as I saw that, I thought it was a hamstring or mm-hmm. ACL or something with that non-contact that scared me a little bit. A team that put up a lot of points but really didn't impress me all that much. The Raiders, like they won against the Texans 38 to 20, but I mean, Adams ended up with like, I want to say 95 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So he got his yards, didn't end up with a touchdown. Jacobs went off. He he was definitely impressive. And he was one of the DFS guys for the week that you mentioned last week. So I hope you guys Mm -hmm. took that advice with uh, Josh Jacobs. That could have definitely put a few coins in your pocket. First of all, let's talk about this. The Raiders made a huge mistake. Zamir White ain't it. And you didn't sign Josh Jacobs to his fifth-year option, meaning you're going to have to actually pay him. Or now you're going to be in basically a bidding contest for his service. And I'm going to tell you this. If the Carolina Panthers can get a quarterback in the draft and get Josh Jacobs as their running back with that defense and then bring in a receiver, they're off and running. I mean, they're just showing that they believe in this guy finally. Like, if you look at his last three weeks, I mean, he's getting 20-plus touches, carries. So he's just doing what he's doing with the ball. Like, he finally got an opportunity to run the ball. And he's playing well. I guess McDaniels has just saying, you know, bump it. This is what we're doing. We're running the ball now. So it's been working. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like basically, said, what he said is, I'm going to just run the offense the way it's supposed to versus right. throwing the ball so much because of the talent that's out there. Right. That, that's the way the Patriots offense normally runs. It, it's run first. So you look at the last. You have to. Look at the last three weeks for Jacobs, man. He's been he been balling. Yeah, you know? definitely. For sure. If you look at where he's ranked at right now, currently he's uh like number four for running back in the league right now, fantasy points. So and, and a lot of that has come in the last three weeks. He's doing well. I mean, what can you say about the Texans, man? This team is just bad. Yeah, the Texans. I mean, I see why you would go ahead and get rid of Brandon Cooks. He ain't gonna help you win no games in your current situation. You might better get a little something something for him that'll help you going forward. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, quick question though. So is mm-hmm. Davis 
Davis, Davis Mills, he's not the answer, right? As far as should they draft the quarterback? Yeah. I would definitely draft the quarterback. Even if it's a Davis Mills is still going to be our starter next year and possibly the year after while this other guy comes along. But I would definitely, most definitely draft. The goal is to never be as bad as you are this year. So theoretically, you shouldn't be as high in the draft as what you're going to, it's what it looks like you're going to end up being this year. So you shouldn't theoretically have the chance to get that guy again. So I'm getting that guy and hoping for the best. And if he and if he shows and proves immediately to be better than Davis Mills, then I got a hell of a young backup already knows the system and he isn't good enough to be poached away to be a starter for someone else. One of the games, one of the teams that is surprising the hell out of me, Seattle wins again. Seattle beats the Chargers. They become number one in their division. They beat them 37 to 23. What in the world is going on? Talk about things that everybody missed. Nobody had the Seahawks having a good off. Nobody had Geno Smith doing what he's doing. The young bull, Kenneth Walker, the third ends up with 23 attempts, 168 yards, two touchdowns. This guy is showing that he is exactly as advertised. Now with Brees Hall possibly being out for the year, Walker may be the guy to step in and end up taking over for rookie of the year if he continues this. And the thing with Geno is Geno is putting them in a situation to whereas they aren't going to be able to draft the quarterback that a lot of people thought they were going to be able to get because they aren't losing nearly enough to do so. Gino didn't do anything that was extraordinary or anything this week. He had 20 completions on 27 attempts, uh, which is a 74% completion rate. So he's still up there as far as completion rates is concerned. 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But at the end of the day, they are winning. And Gino is making it seem as if Wilson was a non-fact in Seattle. When you look at the contrast between the Broncos and, and Seattle right now, what, what do we have on Seattle's outlook? And we also, we have obviously DK's injury. Um, speak on Marquise Goodwin as well. Uh, yeah, as far as Marquise Goodwin, man, I don't know. This could be just a one of those, you know, it happened. You know what I mean? E- even if DK's out for several weeks? Yeah. Even though DK okay. out for several weeks, it's just one of those things that happened because he's really a slot guy. They don't even play the same position. He's extremely fast. We all know that. But we have yet to see Marquise put it all together in a string of games. We've seen him have big games before, whether in San Fran or Chicago, things like that. But we have never seen him put a string of games together and show that he's really a good receiver. Kenneth Walker, man, what can you say about this guy? Even though he's running against a poorest defense, I mean, or a run defense. He looked great, and he's in a good system. Seattle, you know, they're known for running the ball. So Absolutely. I think they're going to continue to feed him that. One thing I've been – to me, Justin Herbert don't look good this year to me. He, like I, something something looks di- – granted, he hasn't had a lot of his weapons, but something looks different for sure. Yeah, he hasn't Didn't they lose a, 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 a lineman, a starting lineman or something like that too? I, I think I think they did. I don't know. But he, he but, hasn't but he's been, been on the run well. a lot. Yeah, he hasn't been looking good this week. And now you go – Mike Williams is down. Keenan Allen did play a little bit. Only had two balls caught for 11, so he'd be coming back to the fold. I don't know, man. Gino looks good. It's it's good to see Gino play well. I want to see how Kenneth Walker look as he get a little too more into the division. Let's see how he look against the 49ers. Let's see how he look against the Rams, teams like that. And then we'll get an idea of, of how that, you know, because, I mean, the Chargers like a top four, like, worse against the run. They got the Giants coming up. They got Tampa Bay on the schedule. So it's a couple games coming. I want to see how he looks against those teams. The Ravens ended up pulling out a win. It's, it's looking like Gus Edwards is going to be the lead dog in that backfield. Lamar had an another lackluster game. Do we think that as of right now, Lamar is helping, hurting, 
are standing still as far as his contract situations are going to be concerned next year. And does it actually, if he doesn't want to be there anymore, the way they're currently playing, does that actually help him more? Because they're going to be less likely to pay him what he's asking. I can see a franchise coming to his future. I don't think he's going to play under that franchise tag. Yeah, he said that he wouldn't. But now right. people have said that before, but, you know, quarterback's a little bit different. I can definitely see them franchising the way he's playing right now. He's not playing awful. The team, they want, this team should have at least two more. This team should be six and one. I mean, they blew like two first half leagues in a couple games. They blew double digit leads in the second half in right. three games. And he only threw the ball 16 times. So they, they wouldn't throw the ball all this game. He's not for 16. They just, you know, running the ball. I guess it's just game script. And this may be a part of the reason why a lot of receivers and possibly the quarterback himself doesn't want to play in this system. It's, it just doesn't lend itself to the legacy that I think this guy wants to build for himself. I think he sees himself in a different system that's going to allow him to kind of flourish versus the Ravens system, which just kind of gives him an opportunity to run the ball a little bit more than most. But I don't think he really wants to do that as much as he has to in this offense. I can kind of see them playing chicken because he wants to lose. The Browns ended up, again, losing this divisional game. They're kind of holding it in the road and holding serve. They've been in all of these games with a little bit better quarterback play, such as Deshaun Watson. The Browns could actually be one of the best teams in the NFL. Jacoby Brissett has been holding his own, and they've been in or won just about all the games they've been in. So do we see Chubb going back to what we saw the first few weeks, or is he kind of settling into what he's going to be the rest of the year? How do we we see Chubb and also Kareem Hunt working out. I know with Nick Chubb this week, he ended up with 16 attempts, 91 yards, and I believe yeah. he got a touchdown as well. So. Yeah, he did. Yo, Nick Chubb is the man. Like I was watching this. Yo, that boy like that. He, I know he's so underrated. He's one of those guys get looked over every year when fantasy rolls around. Team I don't know. I mean, like when fantasy rolls around and you look at the running back rankings, he's always mm-hmm. under the guys like Henry, McCaffrey, Kamara, JT this year, uh, Dalvin Cook. All these guys are always ahead of him. And man, I'm telling you, man, Chubb is one of them. That boy good. <laughs> that boy good. <laughs> they they need to just go ahead and let him be the bell cow. Let him do his thing. Let him do his one two thing. Kareem Hunt doesn't want to be there, and rightfully so, because he feel like he could be the man somewhere else. I mean, you led the league in rushing as a (laughs) yeah, you led the league in rushing as a rookie. Like you deserve that. So go ahead, move him before the trade deadline. Get some help. You know, some more help on this team. Hunt going to the Bills would be a nice look. That that would be crazy. Yeah, that, that, that would be that, crazy. That'd definitely be a nice look. And I don't think it would cost them nearly as much as what Christian McCaffrey went for. And they were, they were in his market. If you yeah. were thinking about that and you can get Hunt for less than half, I mean, you could probably get Hunt for a fourth-round pick. I don't know if they give him a for a fourth. He, he's, more, he's worth more than a fourth. I'd give up a second for him. I get the bills. That. He may be worth it as far as how he would benefit the bills, but the RB market doesn't quite play out that way. CMC should have been worth two firsts if Hunt is worth the second. It's just weird the way the RB market, like because there's always RBs out there and there's going to be a truckload of them coming every year. No one really wants to pay, even if there's one that's good. So it's kind of weird. Um, uh, I just got a report real quick. The Eagles, and, and this could kind of maybe translate to this conversation but the eagles and broncos were teams that was interested in mccaffrey and their offers mm. their offers was a third and a fourth a third or a fourth yeah. it was in that exactly. range there you go maybe you see those guys maybe they'll give the browns a call the broncos kareem hunt be good with the broncos right now 
But see, if they were only willing to give a third or a fourth for CMC, that means they only giving up a six for Hunt. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like the market just only the 49ers were willing to give up that many picks for McCaffrey. Right. But, but it's the Broncos, an move. yeah, the Broncos need to. You know what I'm saying? I think Kareem Hunt would be good for them yeah, as well. I mean, that'll be. A, but but then Kareem Hunt would be putting himself in a position where he's back to being that one-two situation because. Javante is still going to be the man next year. He's go back. He goes back to that Chubb situation again if he does that. I don't know. I think the Bills is somewhere that he would be the man on a winning team. But then again, it's not up to him. It's whoever puts together the best package. So. Right. We'll kind of have to see how that goes. Lastly on the list, the Saints and the Cardinals went up against each other. That ended up being a 42 to 34 point victory for the Cardinals. Hopkins, man, he, he can he get better than what he was in his first week back? The only thing that he could have done better is put up a touchdown. Olave did his thing. Kamara did his thing. I'm expecting Winston to be back next week, since as how he was so close to being back this week. This is kind of a, a higher scoring game than we normally see on Thursday nights. I think it might have been one of the first Thursday night games to go over. Murray was able to show and prove. Um, he was able to make sure he was able to involve a lot of his pass catchers. As far as the Saints are concerned, do we think they'll have a bit of an uptake when Winston comes back? Or it'll just be same production, slightly different offensive style? I honestly think Winston isn't the difference for his offense. I think it'll be pretty much about the same. I think Michael Thomas need to come back, and that probably make a little I, I adjustment. He ain't something ain't right with him. I don't know if he don't want to be there or if he just really gets hurt all the time. Now. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like his 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 injuries are like the ankle, like certain little things. Like it keep him out for the season. Like <laughs> right, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something. You there, can't depend but, on them. Is is what it boils down to right, at this point. Right. Uh, red rocket, the, the red, the, the red robin, the red rocket, or whatever you want to call him. The red play, rocket. Yeah. He didn't really play too bad last week. Red I rifle. Know, That's what it the is. Red, red rifle. rifle. I know he a couple picks. One of them wasn't his fault. He didn't play too bad considering the uh, turnovers. That about wraps up the show for today. We'll be back to you in just a couple of days to give you the preview for week eight, give you your start sit advice, give you your DFS advice so you are fully prepared for the weekend. Now is grind time. It doesn't matter where you are as far as your record is concerned. I've seen plenty of teams go on streaks. There's going to be teams that forget to set lineups. There are going to be teams that get lazy, don't look at waivers. Now is the time that you show that you're a fiend and you gut it out and you put up the best record you possibly can no matter where you may be. And who knows? Things may just turn around for you. Injuries happen. Teams that were on top end up at the bottom. You just never know what's going to happen in fantasy. Keep putting your best foot forward. Make sure you keep listening to the show. Follow and subscribe to make sure you get it as soon as it comes out. And we will make sure we get you through to the end of the journey. We out.